I'm Jen Mall, and welcome to Nurse Connect. I am an RN and a board certified nurse coach. I believe that connecting with others is essential to living a happy and fulfilled life, and that sharing our stories not only helps us to heal ourselves, but also helps others by inspiring hope and optimism. I am so grateful to share stories of these incredible nurses on their journey, and I encourage you to find a way to share yours too. Thanks for listening in. Hey everybody, Jen Ball here with Nurse Connect, and I am super excited to be here with Sita today. Um, would you go ahead and do a little bit of introduction about yourself? Sure, thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, my name is Sita, and I've been an RN for the last 17 years, and um, I've been a nurse coach um, helping men and women, overachieving men and women, uh, who feel uninspired with their passions and careers and, and relationships, help them fall back in love with life mm. in those aspects. And I've been yeah, getting to hold that space for the last three years and more and more it's becoming um, clear, you know, that I like to do that with chocolate, with, with Guatemalan drinking chocolate. I love it. And we're going to dig into that more because it's such a unique uh, thing and uh, um we are fortunate enough to actually be coworkers, which is so rare with nurse coaches to have two in the same hospital. And so it's been a, a real blessing to have, uh, to learn more about what you do and, and just the, the whole world of cacao and being able to bring that into our organization. And maybe we can touch on that a little bit. Um, so I think it would be really cool. We were talking about how you help people to kind of recreate their relationship with nursing. And I think that's so beautiful because a lot of us as nurse coaches, we, we do kind of like, okay, I've, I'm, I've been burned out. I'm ready to like jump out of the hospital or organizational um, nursing realm and into my own practice. And I think you've done a really beautiful job of kind of helping people see that there's actually a different way about it. And I think that probably comes from your whole journey to, to getting here through your own burnout many years ago and finding cacao and end the nurse coaching. And so you just have this beautiful blend. So would you mind kind of jumping back a little bit and sharing about how you became super burned out and journeyed into the world of cacao? Thank you. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, as you know, in general, um, I, definitely like to come from a paradigm of how do we fall back in love with the life we've created and what parts of it don't we love and and we and what parts of it do we like and mm -hmm. I help um support people as well as my own to be able to course correct and show up to taking action on the things we don't love mm -hmm. and although you know I I have been able to find a way to um recreate my relationship with the nursing um you know, many nurse coaches, many people feel burnt out and want to jump ship. And mm -hmm. oftentimes a break is necessary. And I yeah. even took a break and was able to come, come back full circle, learning what I learned away and really taking a stand to apply it rather than constantly wanting to flee from one mm -hmm. thing to another. And um, my journey um, definitely started um, well before nursing school and during nursing school. Mm. Um, you know, just growing up in a duty-filled um, household, um, mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, naturally nursing was a profession where I could help people and do good mm -hmm. in the world. 
And, you know, by the time I got into nursing school, I learned the bad habit of learning to put myself on the back burner and compartment mm -hmm. just so I can get through this exam, just so I can get to another exam, another semester, another semester. By the That's time great. I graduated from nursing school, I was a complete stranger to myself. I yeah. could feel like something was an off, like I should be stoked about the fact that mm -hmm. I've graduated and really just noticing a lot of indecision decisiveness mm -hmm. just kind of ignoring myself and my needs for a long time mm -hmm. and I kind of noticed it then but you know as life has it um you know once you graduate from nursing school you got all the student loan debt and it's just time to hurry up and start working again mm -hmm. and so um you know I ended up just jumping into nursing and following in in compartmentalizing more there and um coping by just mm -hmm one more day, one foot in front of the other, to the point where life became, you know, I felt like a robot. Mm -hmm. um, there was no seat inside that, you know, I gave space for to help um, add color to the show. And I just kind of let duty and responsibility and job mm -hmm. obligations and showing up for the shift and being a team player and just trying to maintain all of um, life. You know, I just let that kind of run the show and, you know, I, I created a great life when, um, on paper, you know, I, sure. I, um, you know, I was in New York city working up at Mount Sinai hospital, you know, married by then, you know, had the apartment, had all the things that I should, mm -hmm. um, like, and, you know, eventually I was just like, I don't know who shoulds these are like societies right. and doing all <laughs> the right things. And, I feel like a shell of a person <laughs> and mm -hmm. my spirit has left a long time ago and I've not called it back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was years into working at Mount Sinai hospital where I actually hired my first life coach transformative. Mm. Coach when I was 24. Um, I could sense something wasn't right. And I was really determined to, you know, the, you know, to acknowledge that that was the life that I carefully created mm -hmm. and, you know, had a lot on the line, a nursing career, right. student loans, and I needed to find a way how to like, you know, stick with this, stick it out. Yeah. And um, coaching was super helpful. Um, it got me to a particular point, and I'm so glad I had a coach at that time. Mm -hmm. because, you know, eventually, you know, my mo with her was to find meaning in my work. Sure. Um, and, you know, oftentimes it was just a moral dilemma, feeling like I'm just throwing meds at people, right. trying to get out of the room as soon as possible, you know, working with a lot of frequent flyers, just, you know, ticking things off a list. And, you know, after a while, I'm like, I, it feels like I'm just doing this for the paycheck. That is right. right to me. Right. I know it's a noble profession, but I couldn't really just feel the heart of mm -hmm. nursing. I couldn't feel it. And I couldn't feel my heart. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, she would ask these, you know, particular questions about who mm -hmm. I truly was and about happiness and like opening up to unconditional love or, you know, myself and in the universe being able to really access the yeah. feeling of love. And I remember like, you know, even with my spouse and the people around me in my, in my life and it, I knew people loved me and of I knew it good love and maybe you know love was just like sh the showing up to obligations that mm. we kind of should and I know it was doing that out of a higher love but I couldn't really mm -hmm. feel it particularly feel it. Yeah. It was just so, so shut shut down for myself and wow. um 
whenever she would ask those kind of questions, I would just immediately shut down because I was scared that if I started to ask myself seriously, like what would make Sita happy, that it might not look like the life I really carefully yeah. invested into creating. And, you know, when she'd ask this question, you know, she deserves like a medal because she's like super patient, stuck with me, you know, hard when, you know, I needed to have someone being hard on me, but sure. um, I was shut down and I just wasn't there. Um, you know, so in truth coaching fashion, we, you know, we meet our clients where they're at and, mm-hmm. you know, we did our best until eventually it caught up with me where um, my health started exhibiting mm-hmm. a of signs of um, inflammation, autoimmune kind of mm. responses. I was only 29 at that point, you know, much too young, you know, like to, you know, just have a chronic inflammation. Thing. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I really loved life in the city up to a certain point, but I realized, you know, this doesn't make sense to be paying at the time three grand on an apartment wow. to stay home and watch Netflix because that's all I have energy for. Yeah. Like, why do you live in this exciting city if I'm just staying in sure. all the time. And, um, you know, it was, you know, it was hard because it was my body as if I had no say in the matter that was mm-hmm. deciding for me that I need to stop and slow down and really ask myself some harder questions that I've been avoiding or trying to just mm-hmm. maybe address, but, you know, not really fully playful out and go there. And, you know, at that time, I just remember being pissed and angry that like my yeah. health was failing, um, yeah. exhibiting at work, lower back pain. Eventually, it was my manager that kind of took me aside. And, you know, I, I still think the coworkers that might have spoken up because, you know, my yeah. manager was like, worried about you. about you and, you know, you're getting stressed out by things you normally wouldn't be stressed mm-hmm. out by. Like, are you OK? And, you know, of course, you know, that flood of tears you know came up in that confrontation and um I didn't have the courage to decide for myself that I needed a break that I didn't know what I needed yeah Um, but I'm so grateful that someone said something Mm -hmm. and made you know you know made me really stop and 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 think and for you know, eventually, you know, I realized I had a herniated disc, you know, mm. the spine specialist said most people actually have herniated discs, but it's not something that necessarily bothers everyone all the time. You know, if we oh, are wow. chronically stressed, um, chronically inflamed, then we have like these um, inflammatory chemicals, you know, basically mm-hmm. through our body. So it's going to cause more inflammation and then we're going to notice that pain a little more. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, at the time, you know, I'd been going to him, many doctors once, you know, I made it my full-time job to sure. figure wow. out what was wrong with me once I didn't have my nursing job and I was on a leave of absence. Mm. And I grew frustrated because no one had answers for me. You know, I was yeah. going to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, chiropractor, all the things. And um, yeah, eventually my coach asked me some really hard questions that, um, you know, I, I hung up on her because <laughs> she asked me the question of um you know why are you choosing the experience of pain Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah I, I felt so offended by that question mm-hmm. and um I I hung up on her and I really thought about that and I said damn she's right and yeah just noticing what my I was 
you know, in her, in the transformative coaching model that she uses, um, you know, we really look at, you know, that we create our experience and mm. that there's something in us getting something out of being in pain. And I realized then mm. what I was getting out of being in pain and it was kind of a lifetime of choosing pain, not the love and the happiness. Sure. I knew pain. I was comfortable with pain. I could somatically journey with pain. You know, as nurses, we, we get roll up our sleeves when it comes to pain and like we mm-hmm. do something push about it. it. <laughs> we just like we push through all kinds of things. We just yeah. Well, we push through so much discomfort to be, you know, a nurse on a shift. So like familiar with that, but not familiar with like love and light and Ooh. all the other things. <laughs> And it was a hard journey of stopping and surrendering and knowing where my emotional attachments with pain was. Yeah. And yeah. In my case, it was just like, you know, creates the need of the, the, the false sense of importance, mm-hmm. earning my keep, you know, if I choose pain or, you know, like I'm in pain, then like it gives me some kind of validity here mm-hmm. in, in my family, my tribe, whatever that is, there's some reptilian brain thing going on yeah. there. You know, definitely asking myself, like, who would I be if I was able to let go of this pain? And could I still receive the same payoffs in a healthier way? And wow. yeah, and, you know, that was a, eventually I got to the point where I was just so grateful for my back pain mm-hmm. and that we have the ability to turn pain into wow. Um, Yeah, that, that pain led me to leaving New York City you know I realized I needed a break Mm -hmm. and you know I went to home you know to kind of get try to remember who I was and and get who I was and a break from the city and the high overhead and um kind of get my wits about me Mm -hmm. and um I remember my intention was just to learn to be taken care of since I've been Mm. such a you know caregiver burnt out everybody else resentful caregiver yeah and um yeah I I decided to eventually a long series I think you and Rachel spoke about the artist way and that was a really influential tool at that time when I left New York City because the the day I, I left the position um, I found myself in an art store. I've never painted anything in my life at that point. I'm like, why am I here? But I was just mm-hmm. guided to like colors and canvases. Oh, and wow. I started painting and I'm like, what is this? I started feeling some, some soul retrieval happening. Oh, with beautiful. Process. And yeah, I mean, one thing led to another and I eventually decided on, you know, I was at finally at the point in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go back to the bedside. I am going to find out who I am, regardless of all the expectations of mm-hmm. who I should be and all the society's idea of who I should be mm-hmm. and the fact that I should be a nurse because I went to a nursing school and I have all this student loan debt. So, you know, there's yeah. so many things that was just like, I just needed a break to be able to figure out who I am. And maybe I don't want to be a nurse. Maybe I don't like being a nurse. I couldn't, t- you know, it's hard for me to, is say or being the question of that sure. and you know but I told myself well if I find out who I am and it brings me back to being a nurse then I'll be open to it then but I I I, I don't I can't answer that question when I'm in the same you know in, in that situation of yeah. exposing myself to the same kind of habits and um, the only way I knew how to be a nurse was just a 
task driven nurse who got, you know, my charting in time. So I can, you know, after a 12 hour work a day, you know, make it home after 13 hours down the subway and just try to like really mm. clock out at the right time. And that's the only kind of nursing I knew. And um, wow. I can't go back to that. And I decided that, you know, I needed a break and maybe the permission that I might leave nursing and never return to it. And I just wow. needed to give myself that permission um to be okay with that and that, that was allowed um and so I ended up embarking on a journey to Central America um I thought I would travel all around Central America originally I thought I would go to Asia but my health was struggling and mm-hmm. felt really far away and mm-hmm. I yeah I decided somewhere closer to home where it'd be feel easier to fly back you know worst case scenario because yeah. I yeah I was literally just putting one foot in front of the other. And I was just trying to listen to the calls and mm-hmm. trying to finally ask myself like, okay, follow my joy. I don't know what that is. Yeah. At the time, I had no idea what that was. Um, but I thought I would go to Guatemala because I knew I liked coffee and I would study uh-huh. coffee. <laughs> I had no idea what that was going to be. That's amazing. Yeah. And I thought there's something in there, you know, I guess they say, you follow your joy that, you know, maybe I felt like I was following the breadcrumbs, like something yeah. would come of that. And I don't know if anything would really, but maybe I'll learn something about myself along that journey. Mm-hmm. So for once in my life, I let myself go against all the shoulds, you know, really ingrained in me as a child. Yeah. Too. Go against all that and go, you know, go out on a limb and not knowing what the outcome would be. And, um, my case was travel, studying, you know, coffee. Um, I went to Guatemala. They have a great coffee program. I studied with, you know, high people in the industry. I was at the time, maybe I'll open up a coffee shop. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Go back to nursing. You know, I could tell that there was a serious part in, in me that wanted to like find it and like mm-hmm. let coffee shop be the thing I'm going to be doing and get all serious investors. <laughs> And I could recognize that like, okay, before I jump into another marriage or career, let me just yeah. see if I could like find myself and not get lost in something else. I had that tendency. Yeah. You know, um, easier to put on an identity rather than find out who I really was. Really. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, coffee is what led me to, um, to healing my heart with uh, chocolate, coffee and and chocolate grow side by side in a lot of climates wow. in Guatemala. And as I was telling my story to a lot of people in the coffee industry and educators, they would um, they would ask me if I knew anything about chocolate and that maybe I should check it out because, you know, there was a tradition in Guatemala of drinking chocolate when it comes to broken hearts. Mm. And, um, you know, I ended up volunteering in Guatemala for some time and I didn't pursue the chocolate thing until a lot of the local indigenous um, uh, peoples there were telling me about this chocolate and that they could sense I had a broken heart and that there was wow. something real there. And um, yeah, I mean, that embarked on a journey to be able to kind of continue a lot of the somatic healing mm-hmm. I was doing. Um, left, you know, picking up where I left off with my coach. And by then I was doing a lot of the work on my own, being able to hold my own space, but Mm. with matters of allowing um, some light in the places of Mm -hmm. pain, I would still shut down. And it was in those first um, experiences of learning what it was to heal with chocolate, what the tradition was with Mm -hmm. healing with chocolate, what 
um, medicinal and ceremonial purposes chocolate oh. has and being open to that experience, um, you know, it was my first chocolate sitting or chocolate ceremony that mm. um, I was con- able to continue doing a lot of somatic work, but for the first time I was able to actually experience just a little golden love and appreciation around my pain mm-hmm. and like filling some of that space in with pain. So mm. immediately I was hooked. I'm like, oh, okay, if you can heal your, your heart with chocolate, <laughs> sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I ended up staying in Guatemala over the course of three years off mm-hmm. and on and um, diving into a lot of the um, cultures there and the culture mm-hmm. around drinking chocolate. And, you know, eventually the feeling of returning to the U.S. was coming up mm. for me. And I wanted to take this amazing medicinal drink and share it with all the people, you know, people back at home to be able to share it. And I wasn't quite convinced of whether I was supposed to travel the U.S. and do chocolate circles. Um, didn't quite feel like it was it. And, you know, eventually I ended up landing here in California and I was still not um, I was you know, staying with friends that, you know, when we went way back in New York, mm-hmm. I was still determined not to go back to the bedside at that mm. time, picking up a lot of odd jobs. And, you know, with the idea of like, just buying myself more time till I figure out I could get behind what the thing is for me or who yeah. I am, what do I need to be doing in my life. And the interesting part is that I didn't, you know, at some point I ran out of savings and I couldn't get to that point where like, you know, I made a, an agreement with myself that I'm not going to return back to the bedside unless I really know I want to. Good for you. And, you know, and all disclosure, I wasn't at that point when I ran out of money, you know, you know, it was, it was a battle. Um, I didn't yeah. feel like I made it to that point where I can make that agreement. And, you know, I kind of felt like I was betraying something. Mm. I was feeling of like, you know, betrayal within as far as like, well, out of necessity, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm picking up these odd jobs, but my symptoms are flaring up again mm. after, after a long time. And, wow. um, you know, I kept my licenses up to date. I always advocate that you do. Um, and, you know, at some point I'm like, yeah, I almost felt like a dog with its tail in between its legs when, you know, I'm like, out of necessity, I kind of have to, you know, it, mm. it, it makes sense and I kind of rather be at the bedside than all these funny heart you know like odd jobs that was doing yeah and you know it was actually out of necessity at that time that I had to go back and it brought up so much for me I bet Um, that whole process that I was going against myself my intuition you know all the things you know Mm. that I got a taste of what spirit is and what the spirit Mm -hmm. within me was and then suddenly the feeling of having to don scrubs and become like this uniform mm-hmm. hog in a in a system um was bringing up a lot for me I remember like sure. a lot of things were coming up and you know but every time I really gave it time to be with my true self my higher self mm-hmm. it, it felt like the most self-loving thing was mm. and it kept coming back to that and I you know at the time I realized there is a higher uh, lesson being asked of me of I can go back to my bedside and I can continue being a hundred percent in control of my mm-hmm. creating the reality and how do I want to recreate this reality moving forward with what I've learned about myself in all these years and like how do I want to create a different outcome mm-hmm. and that you know oftentimes you know I, many of us feel like you know it's a system there's not much 
things we can do in mm -hmm. within change. Um, but I can show up differently and mm -hmm. choose how I want to respond and feel um, around going back to the bedside. And um, it was a, a process for mm -hmm. sure. Um, you know, in my moments of freak out, I just remember I would drive to interviews and had to pull over to the side of the road because suddenly my shoulders were up yeah. here. And I was having like, this moment of panic and there was just so much good learning and gold even from those moments. I just remember pulling over and I'm like, this is feeling and this is familiar. Like yeah. I'm this familiar feeling. And I'm like, you know, simple terms, fight or flight, stress, you know, sure. Like, alarm saying don't go don't go but I knew by then that every time I asked my higher self it was going back to the bedside and I knew by then the most self-loving thing for me at the time was to go back to the bedside but somatically in the sure. memory my body, body is fighting you freaking out yeah yeah and I just remember just giving space to all of that mm. you know with process of interviewing of deciding mm -hmm. um it, you know it was a process I knew I couldn't figure out you know in, in that moment and that I'd have to continue figuring out figuring out even while I was at the bedside mm -hmm. and you know I just chose to commit to the process of really holding Beautiful. space for my feelings and yeah I just remember having this moment like this aha moment where um you know it's on that way to the interview and um I could feel all this panic coming in and mm. Like when was the earliest time I remember this? I'm like, this is a familiar feeling. And it took me a couple of breaths to put my finger on it. I'm like, oh, this is that feeling that I would have every time I would get on the six train and go up to Mount Sinai to go to work. It's this feeling of like mm -hmm. life and death because mm -hmm. life is in our hands and everything's just so teetering. I was in the cardiac ICU then. So there was just lots of codes mm -hmm. and failure and just things can go, you know, it's just life is teetering. And it yeah. was just, for years, I lived, you know, eight years at Mount Sinai with that same feeling. And, and even though I wasn't a novice, I realized I still carried that, even though I thought sure. I was better of a nurse and I was a lot more comfortable in the role. But it was all the same feelings from like my first couple of years of feeling like, mm -hmm. have I harmed someone? Like, mm -hmm. what's going to happen to me? Like, this feeling of finality and like death. And, yeah. um, you know, when I recognized that I chose to reach out to a therapist. Yeah. And, you know, EMDR and sessions mm. to, you know, she recognized that this is post-traumatic stress. Sure. You know, we're one of the most traumatized uh, careers. Mm. You know, we are traumatized and that, you know, it felt like a little bit of a blow or it felt a little extreme sure. traumatic stress, especially back then. And, um, but yeah, you know, I was really rel reliving a lot of the trauma of just like the fear of going to work. Wow. Like I know, you know, I had to tell myself, I know this is not the same situation, not mm -hmm. the same unit, not the same city. Circumstances sure. are different. Can I recreate a different response? And you know, I did a lot of work with retraining my my nervous system mm -hmm. to be to um look forward to and embrace um going back to the bedside. And wow. just that all in itself was just like the you know, so many gold nuggets of learning and seeing what I was capable of doing. And that like, yes, I needed to honor myself by leaving mm -hmm. the and finally listening to who I was. But by then I knew how to access who I was and higher self kept saying, go, go back. And that, um, yeah, I mean, this is a lot, but like the idea of like, I can recreate my, my experience here yes. and, you know, a big mantra that 
kind of kept me going at that time was just that, you know, there was a big fear that I'm going to lose myself again. Mm -hmm. I I lost myself so much with nursing was my whole experience that I'm going to lose myself. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, having to don scrubs was just like a whole process that brought up a lot in my, Mm -hmm. where am I? Like, how can I bring spirit to the bedside? How can I bring like this crusty granola hippie I'd become into this professional (laughs) workspace and still not feel like I had to like, play a role and like push yeah. like how can I really bring Sita this colorful human yeah. essence of who I am into the workplace and um and not lose myself and not have nursing take away my dreams yes. that I was just going to create and I chose to spin it around and I asked myself every day the question of like how can um I make nursing work for my dreams oh, how wow use this time to really let nursing not get in the way of who I am and what my dreams are. Mm-hmm. But how can I let it support my dreams? You know, in this Beautiful. case, I, paycheck, I kind of needed yeah. to allow, but I'm like, how can I really leverage this opportunity? So I don't recreate losing myself. And in fact, that I could support more of who I am. So I don't have mm-hmm. to live in fear of when I'm going to get my next you know, like meal and all these right. things. And, it's been an amazing process, not an easy process, but an amazing process in, in that paradigm shift of, I gave up my dreams to be a nurse and how can nursing actually support my dreams? And I get fired up, but I can, you know, speak for, you know, a long time around what that paradigm shift could look like for different yeah. people. Um, you know, I love supporting my clients around this. You know, a lot of my clients are unique because you know, their wisdom tells them not to leave the bedside Mm -hmm. right now and that, but there are a lot of course correction, a Mm -hmm. lot of different kind of positions you might realize you would be more supportive that would leave one with energy after a shift to be able to really follow, follow through with their dreams. And it takes some discipline with, um, not using tiredness as as an excuse. Yes. (laughs) our shift, you're not going to have much time. Um, you know, three to four days a week of doing that for your dreams. And like, we, you know, we find that balance and it requires a lot of discipline and, and still, even if you're tired, still showing up for the meaning mm-hmm. of things. Um, because it's so easy for myself and a lot of nurses to blame nursing for getting in the way of having a life outside of yeah. nursing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of it in a nutshell, but yeah. Um, wow. What a journey. Yeah. So, so you've been back at the bedside for a couple of years. Have you been able to really maintain this, this love of nursing, supporting your dreams? Do you feel like you've been able to really embrace that? Well, like I said, it's, it's been a process and, um, it's funny. I'm getting a call from the hospital right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a decline. That's okay. You can't yeah, ignore just, phone calls. Put on airplane mode. Here you go. <laughs> so it's so ironic. You know, yeah. you know there's always going to be yeah. uh, needs, COVID disasters. Mm-hmm. We have emergency, uh, you know, systems texting that they're mm-hmm. super short. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a process of learning, um, how to set boundaries, how to protect yes. the the sprout that is beginning to um, um, come into, you know, strong roots as a creative, as a dreamer, as someone who has passions to really help um, uh, and serve humanity. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to, you know, put fences up to protect that from it other is. 
perspectives. And sometimes it does mean not taking on, you know, over time and like, mm -hmm. um, learning to say no to the idea of being a team player, learning to yeah. say no to saying things out of obligation and fear-based yeah. decisions, honestly. Yeah. And, we yeah. and the guilt of yeah. letting your teammates down and patience, like it's real. It's very difficult. Yeah. It, it's, it's real. It's hard. You know, I still help whenever I can. That's mm -hmm. like a true yes and not a fear-based sure. help, but an actual, um, um, courageous, Yes. And, and, you know, it takes a lot more courage to learn how to um, mm -hmm. you know, just put our foot down. Um, it's definitely been a process and it's easy to go in and out of. Um, it's definitely in the last few years um, since I've actually feel like I'm fully showing up to a passion mm -hmm. um, and my true purpose, which happens to be nurse coaching. And just as I started that process, even during COVID, finally, I got to the point where like, wow, like, I'm so grateful for this job I have, mm. you know, I'm so grateful that I happen to work per diem. So like I get to work like two days a week and it really yeah. supports my dream. I love it. You know, at the bedside, Amazing. I love what I, I love my coworkers. I literally walk out of the hospital so many days with just like thanking the mm. walls, um, thanking everybody in there. Yeah. And because it has allowed me to really step into my true purpose. And mm -hmm. I, and there are moments I can just bring that purpose to the bedside, to my clients and the way I speak to them and perhaps coach them a little bit mm -hmm. or um, get curious really. Um, but it hasn't been an easy process. You know, it took a long time mm -hmm. for me to hold that intention. Honestly, I didn't know what it looked like to, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got good clues and lessons of what it looks like to make nursing work for me, but mm -hmm. I wasn't on what the purpose that I was trying to work towards outside of nursing at the mm. time was still unable to really grasp that and it felt a little fleeting so I just yeah. went back to the nurse to the bedside for years actually just holding that intention mm. of um you know I, I know I'm supposed to be here I know I'm creating resources so I can do something to uh, serve humanity I'm still not sure if it's nursing but I'm just holding the intention and kind of getting ready for you know battle or whatever like I'm, I'm just building my resources I'm waiting for the next call um yeah. I'm waiting for the next sign and but it was years of that and that gets uncomfortable too sure not knowing of like okay I'm going back I know I'm supposed to be here I'm not quite sure what these paychecks are for at that time yeah. I paid off lots of debt um I knew I was just building my resources for something mm right before I found nurse coaching, you know, I, I've always liked the coaching industry. Yeah. I've always resonated with it. I, I had done a lot of work holding, um, healing transformative healing space with Guatemalan chocolate by then mm -hmm. I was yes. desiring some more skills and, and solid credentials. So, you know, it got to the point right before I decided to go the coaching route that maybe I'll jump ship again, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, use this opportunity to go into becoming a therapist, um, ah. so the ability to do deeper work with people. Yeah. And at the time I knew therapy in itself has its limitations and somewhat mm -hmm. a lot more limited than, um, coaching. And I know therapy is a lot about, you know, things of the past and the traumas that come up mm -hmm. and I wasn't quite sold on that. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, I had heard about nurse coaching for a while. It took me a long time to, um, sign up. Um, 
and, you know, is still in a place of like, I need to make the right decision. And I can yeah. <laughs> use these, you know, use these uh, resources that I've acquired and really make the right decision. And I realized yeah. I just, you know, after a year of doing that, I realized I don't know what the right decision is going to be. So right. let's take a, you know, use, start coaching. Cause that seems yeah. a little less, um, a little less hard than a four-year uh, master's program. Sure. <laughs> and um, if anything, if it's not it, I remember there were some things that I really wanted to be able to do mm-hmm. as, as a healer that mm-hmm. that the um, therapy route wouldn't actually sure in many t- ways. And some things that coaching might let, you know, more freedom in, in there. And I, yeah, I decided just, you know, it's been a life of just putting, um, following the breadcrumbs of like, okay, Beautiful. well, maybe coaching could just be a stepping stone and sure. not it, then it'll count for something if I decided to pursue a, you know, a degree in being a therapist. And since I started coaching, I'm like, wow, I pinched me and I'm, I'm living the dream. I get to work at the bedside. I really, I know exactly what it's going for, what it's building. It's to be able to do mm. more of this, um, being able to wow. some, pretty amazing adventures with my clients and, yeah. and with nurses and um yeah it, it's been a real cool full circle mm-hmm. um, you know you know sometimes we do need to break sometimes we need to break up from you know partners and, and things or or separate or breaks mm-hmm. just to be able to um have space and learn who you are outside of that yeah. pandemic it's you know like a lot of nursing is like being in a toxic, abusive relationship. Sometimes you just need to break away mm-hmm. and that it's not necessarily nursing that there's anything wrong with. Um, yes, it's a broken system, but you know, maybe it is about more of who we get to be as we are in these moments. Like, you know, what light can we bring to a suffering patient? Like what compassion can we bring on ourselves just mm-hmm. for, you know, being there at the bedside and, you know, the agreements we're making with ourselves to be able to step up into a fuller life and that nursing can propel us into that. But, you know, by all means, you know, I, I, I tell my clients, don't just be a nurse, you know, if yes. that fulfillment really just leverage it and, um, and feel like you get to be a nurse because uh, you get to do all these rad things with it. I love it. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. As we wrap up, will you share with me a little bit more how you integrate chocolate into maybe even a daily practice for you, but how you integrate that with others, with your clients and your heal your heart with chocolate uh, page. Share with me a little more about that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I coach with ceremonial drinking chocolate. It's just been so much part of my life. I remember when I started the coaching journey that I I didn't want to incorporate cacao into it. It was never mm. a vision. Although my, one of my coaches reminded me that on our first call, I did say that. Really? Um, but I have always wanted to help people in a deeply transformative space. And I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to trust my own skills to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, I did not incorporate uh, the medicine and and I still don't incorporate that medicine for a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it medicine, but it's just the food source. Mm-hmm. Um, and and chocolate, you know, like the, the Mayans, Aztecs and Toltecs of Central America would mm-hmm. use chocolate for healing purposes. They would call it heart medicine. 
And they had some wisdom that chocolate helps us connect with ourselves, um, the the hearts of our loved ones and the mm. hearts of greater, greater community and to, to be able to, to um, get out of our thinking heads mm-hmm. and into an embodied state and mm-hmm. down into our heart so that we can feel rather than sink our way through lives. And, that's oh, what yeah. and so, you know, they would, um, you know, different historical accounts kind of conflict, but there's some ideas of, you know, drinking it in conflict within community to be able to speak from the heart, to mm. be able to the heart, to be able to live from the heart. And, um, you know, one of the creation stories I like about chocolate is that it came down to this world to be able to help us remember joy mm-hmm. and ease in places that, um, that it's hard to find that, you know, she came chocolate came down to this world to um around the time of the aztec empire building all the pyramids or a lot of slaves back then to um that would you know toil so hard where they weren't dreaming at night they weren't gathering Mm. they weren't telling their stories like you and i are right now Mm -hmm. telling their stories and forgetting their stories and their lineage And, um, you know, chocolate recognized that, you know, people were working so hard and overworked here on earth. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, every, every in, in Mayan mythology, every plant has a goddess. So that's why I refer to it with the pronoun as she, you know, goddess mm-hmm. or god. And um, it's a personality. And, and yeah. you know, chocolate came to this world to kind of help people remember how to laugh and tell their stories mm-hmm. and remember and, and feeling and feeling joy in places where it's so hard to bring that into. So I think it's a beautiful analogy of how to bring that to the bedside of like, how do we bring our spirit and our yes. joy into hard places, impossible places. So in, you know, in my work with clients, I, I see that there's, you know, we're all carrying pain mm-hmm. and some really difficult dynamics that feel impossible to break. The idea mm-hmm. of like recreating a relationship with nursing feels impossible. The idea mm-hmm. of setting boundaries with family members that are, you know, some toxic relationships there that are just impossible. You know, we can mm-hmm. you know, do those things in certain aspects of our life, but when it comes to like the one relationship with career, yeah. with family, with spouse, it's always a challenge. And so I like to use chocolate in those particular areas where it feels utterly impossible because um, there's so much pain and resentment mm-hmm. there and, and bring some of that joy. And we let the medicine, you know, bring joy to those areas so that we can experience that what's there on the other side of pain, that there's actually a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, chocolate in general just kind of helps us. Um, there's lots of naturally occurring compounds, um, phenylalanine, uh, naturally occurring SSRIs and MAOIs, um, antidepressants, um, compounds that help us feel bliss. So, you know, we end up feeling in a more relaxed state to be able to um, get creative and find mm-hmm. solutions around really difficult parts of our lives. And I, I love to do that in a coaching space with or without chocolate, but I find the chocolate is an accelerator to yeah. Some- that feel really challenging and um and yeah and, and the results of what's been you know created is just amazing it always continues to blow my mind and I like chocolate you know it's a plant medicine but it's not a hallucinogen oftentimes right. illegal and um yeah. it's, you know like makes you see things and feel things that you don't have control over and and chocolate's not that it is just yeah. a yummy you know cup of chocolate but it, you know the chocolate I work with has some co- compounds mm-hmm. that um allows the cortisol to decrease and the fight or flight to decrease and it helps mm. us come into more of a being state access mm-hmm. or being and and 
I use a lot of shamanic journeying on with my clients, mm-hmm. and visualizations and somatic experiencing. And um, we, we, we get to, you know, when we get to incorporate chocolate, it just makes it a little more real for people rather yeah. than psychedelic assistant therapy where, yeah. um, you know, we're, we might not be in control. Um, sure. We're relying on an outside source to come to certain um, realizations. Mm-hmm. This is all just bringing out the innate wisdom within Beautiful that client, which is kind of what coaching already is yeah. it's more accelerated and more pronounced and a little more tangible to feel. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what it looks like. Um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> having experience, having done a cacao ceremony with you, uh, it was really amazing just to, you know, do something different. And like you said, it did really accelerate what was coming up for me and a lot of creativity and things, areas I'd been kind of been stuck in. I felt were just kind of blowing open. I was like, this is great. <laughs> and it's not a mind altering substance, right? Like, I'm, you know, it was all naturally occurring. It was just, and your ability to facilitate that process was beautiful. So you, you definitely have a gift uh, from the <laughs> goddess. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to have connected with you and to spend some time today sharing your journey and the story of cacao as well thank you thank you so much and yeah you know just you know and that you know if anybody wants to learn more about chocolate i do have an educational page on facebook it's called heal your heart with chocolate and there's lots of freebie information Mm -hmm. there just chocolate 101 how chocolate why chocolate what is you know what you know what the heck this is how to drink at home and make it like a daily practice Mm -hmm. or once a week practice um how it incorporates well with other modalities um and then also um opportunities and invitations for offerings you know i oftentimes do um virtual uh, circles Mm -hmm utilizing chocolate um so yeah you can come hang out there uh ask questions learn all about it in that space sounds great well thank you again for your time today it's been so awesome to talk more about this and i'm just very grateful to be in your space thank you thank you so much jen i just wanted to acknowledge you and whoever might be listening that you know jen is doing such an amazing job of bringing spirit back to the bedside Um, I've gotten to observe just she's our nursing educator and (laughs) our professional enrichment days people are looking forward to them I look forward to kind of tap in and remember our why and and there are some yeah amazing initiatives she's been putting together for our hospital Mm -hmm. so I'm so grateful and um you're a special being and you're a great example of bringing spirit to the bedside and yeah I'm in awe so I appreciate you Thank you. I got a little period. <laughs> yeah. And you've really helped me integrate some of that work too, because I'm still new to this space. So it's been trying to figure it out and bounce things off of people. So it's been super fun to, I, I guess, kind of get creative and try different things that we don't normally see in the hospital. Like yeah. we brought cacao yeah. into the hospital for a study for a, um, a session. And that was really yeah. neat. And I hope we can do that again soon, but yeah. it's been fun to just try different things because what we've been doing hasn't really been working in the hospital setting taking care of our nurses so and our staff and so I'm really hopeful that as we start to dabble and try different things that we can help others on their journey too thank you so much yeah thank you world needs more gens oh and more seatos for sure we're super (laughs) blessed all right thanks everybody have a great day